The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. take those shots. They took a shot and they converted. And it's exciting to see opening up the game with a deep bomb over the middle of the field. With that touchdown, Nate Stanley has tied Ricky Stanzi for third in school history. 7-0 Iowa. Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Scott Docterman, who reflects on the Hawks' Big Ten opening win over Rutgers and previews this week's Iowa-Iowa State game for the Cyhawk Trophy. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Iowa State's Matt Campbell. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which includes sports reporters Scott Docterman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, along with award-winning sports writer John Bonenkamp. The Iowa Rutgers game highlights are courtesy of FS1 with announcers Justin Kucher, Petros Papadakis, and Shane Vereen. We very much appreciate and thank them. The pass to the corner of the end zone. Tyron Tracy, touchdown! Nate Stanley's third place solo loan in Iowa history. A lot of trust there. Stanley threw that one before Tracy came open. They went for it on fourth down. They converted. It pays off. Nate Stanley missed a short thing touchdown with Brandon Smith earlier. He connects here with Tyron Tracy. He now has 57 career touchdown passes. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. The Iowa Hawkeyes play their first of four scheduled trophy games this Saturday, facing in-state rival Iowa State at Jack Trice Stadium in Ames. It's the annual battle for the Cy Hawk Trophy and the State of Iowa football dominance. Kickoff is set for 3 p.m. Iowa comes into this game 2-0 overall and 1-0 in Big Ten play, defeating Miami, Ohio in the opener and then shutting out Rutgers last week to open conference play. The Hawkeyes are ranked 19th in the AP poll, 18th in the coaches poll. Iowa State is 1-0 after defeating UNI in three overtimes in Ames to open their season and then having a bye week. The Cyclones were ranked in the preseason but are now receiving votes in both of the national polls. This will be the 67th meeting between these two schools. Iowa leads the series 44-22, has won the last four straight, including last year's game 13-3 three in Iowa City and has won three in a row and four of the last five games played at Jack Trice Stadium. Since the series resumed in 1977 with the Cy Hawk Trophy at stake, the Hawkeyes hold a 28-14 and 14 advantage. Iowa State has defeated a ranked Iowa team one time, 2005 in Ames, when the Hawks were ranked eighth. Iowa State has won seven straight games at Jack Trice Stadium. That ties for the best in school history. Kirk Ferry 
Ferentz has a record of 154 and 100 in his 21 years as Iowa head coach. He's the dean of college head football coaches, and he's the winningest coach in Iowa history. Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell is in his fourth season as head man of the Cyclones with a record of 20 and 19. His overall record over a period of eight years as a head coach is 55 and 34. In game notes, Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley continues to climb the record books and comes into this game with six passing touchdowns against no interceptions this season. His 58 career TDs are third all-time at Iowa. He now trails only Chuck Long, who has 74, and Drew Tate with 61. He's thrown at least one TD in each of his last seven games. Stanley has made 28 starts for Iowa, and the Hawkeyes are 19-9 and in those games, averaging 30.0 points per game. That's fifth in school history and 10th nationally among active QBs. Iowa's group of wide receivers is excelling through the first two games, and Amir Smith-Marset has four catches in each of those first two contests. Last week, he matched his career high with 113 receiving yards. He already has caught three TDs this season, including two versus Rutgers. The Hawkeyes are using three running backs, led by Mackay Sargent, who has 150 rush yards in the first two games. Plus, he's caught six passes for 77 yards. That makes him Iowa's second leading receiver. Last Saturday, Sargent, Torrin Young, and Tyler Goodson each rushed for more than 50 yards against the Scarlet Knights. Iowa's defense has been stout so far this season, holding its first two opponents to an average of just seven points and 68.5 yards rushing per game. The Hawkeyes are also dominating in time of possession through those first two contests, averaging 36 minutes, 48 seconds to 23-13 for their opponents. In depth chart notes, Iowa will miss two of its starters on Saturday. Left tackle Alaric Jackson continues to miss games on offense after being injured in the opener, and free safety Kayvon Merriweather will be gone on defense. Offensive lineman Cole Banwart returns and strong safety Geno Stone, who left the Rutgers game with an injury, is fine and expected to play in Ames. In tidbits and nuggets, this Big Ten Big 12 contest will be televised by FS1 with announcers Brian Custer, Robert Smith, and Sarah Kustak. The game will be broadcast on the Hawkeye Radio Network and KRUI with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. It will also be available on Satellite Radio, XM, and Sirius Channels 81. The game is sold out at Jack Trice Stadium, where the capacity is 61,500. The field surface is natural grass. Trice Stadium is the third largest in the Big 12 after undergoing renovations and expansion in 2015. This will be the first of the four annual trophy games that the Hawkeyes will play this year. Iowa State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. Iowa holds three of those four trophies. It's 13-3 over the past 16 trophy games it's played. The only losses coming to Wisconsin in that span. Iowa has won nine straight non-conference games since the start of the 2017 season. The Hawkeyes are 59-34 all-time against current members of the Big 12 and have played all of those schools except Baylor and West Virginia. And last but not least, ESPN's College Game Day will be in Ames this Saturday. It's the first time Iowa State will be hosting the iconic show. While Iowa will be making its seventh appearance, the Hawkeyes are just one and six in those games. And broadcast school has really paid off. On third and nine, Carter 
Got hit as he threw, and this one's intercepted. Colbert the other way. First turnover of the game. Jimon Colbert with the interception. Colbert with the interception, and guess who on the quarterback pressure? Uh, Epinesa? Yeah, correct. This Iowa team, they had 20 interceptions last year. That was third in FBS. That's their first one here today. Third and 12 here for Rutgers. Blackshear goes out on the route, and the throw is picked off. Michael O.J. Mudia on the interception. O.J. Mudia on the return, tackled at the 35. Second interception of the season for O.J. Mudia. Had one last week. The throw was high, but it didn't look like the quarterback and Bo Melton were on the same page. Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who sized up the rivalry and this week's Cyhawk Trophy game. My 30th year in the rivalry now, and I think there are a couple of things that are always uh, certainties in this ball game over the years. Uh, first of all, it's going to be a real intense, uh, competitive football game, always a challenge. And then the other thing, it's always going to be in an excellent environment, and uh, I think it's true whether it's here or there. That's always been the case, so that we can count on. Uh, we've got tremendous respect for Coach Campbell, his staff. They've done a wonderful job over there. Uh, they've got uh, players that you know clearly enjoy playing the game and enjoy playing for the staff. And I think when you look at the tape, you see a couple things. Uh, they've got good players, first of all. Uh, they are very well coached. Uh, they compete hard. And the other part about it, they're going to be a rested football team. So we know that going into it. Uh, they're a very veteran football team. A lot of returners, not only in the starting lineups, but in the two deep. So you know they're very, very veteran. And you know one commonality I think that we've seen over the last couple of years, they've been playing really good team defense. Uh, I think that's really helped them you know, be, a, be a factor in the conference the way they have been. And then the thing that's new for us is uh, the quarterback. You know, We didn't uh, have the opportunity to face him last year. He certainly has given them a great boost and just has uh, been a tremendous impact on the football team. Great leader. You can see that uh, just from uh, watching the tape. So you know, they're an excellent football team. On top of that, it's our first road contest. So that's a unique challenge. And I think for a lot of our younger guys, it's going to be a, uh, you know, certainly an experience for them and have to learn our veterans, hopefully, to help those guys through. But uh, for them to be in a hostile environment. Uh, they might as well get used to that. That's going to be part of the year as we go along. So it really just gets down to us. We have to go over there and be focused. really have to be concentrating on the task that's at hand, and uh, that one's uh, certainly significant. Ferentz comments on the big performances Iowa got last Saturday from place kicker Keith Duncan and punter Michael Sleep Dalton, and the importance of special teams in a rivalry game like this. For sure. I mean, anytime you get into uh, uh, games like this and any, any big games, which I, I certainly consider this to be, uh, all those axioms or the old adages, you know, proved to be true. And certainly special teams are going to be a big, big part of the ball game. And uh, yeah, if Michael can continue to play like that, you know, it was a really an impressive performance. Uh, as I said, after the game, both those punters were outstanding uh, Saturday. So that would certainly help us. And Keith, Keith and uh, Caleb have both been practicing really well and doing a good job performing in practice. And Caleb's doing a good job on those kickoffs. So those those things combined, a special team start with your specialist. And if they can continue to, to uh, play well and play, 
you know, play better. That's going to be a good thing for us, certainly. Ferentz was asked what separates a team that succeeds on the road as opposed to one that struggles. You know, the first word that comes to mind is maturity, I think. And uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, that you're a four-year player or a, a senior, a junior even. But just, you know, the ability to really focus in on what counts and uh, just ignore the rest of it. Because there's going to be a lot of rest of it uh, all week, not just not just on Saturday. And, and that's what happens when you go on travel to a lot of places. You know, it's just it's the way it goes. But really, it's, it's that way during the week, too. And... Um, you know, just it's the ability to focus on what is important, keep your mind there, at least when, when you have time budgeted for it. You know, that, that's what you got to do. And uh, if you are distracted by whatever, uh, surroundings, things that are being written, nice things that are being written about you, or negative things, I mean, if you, all that stuff's really counterproductive to, to moving forward, I think. And Kirk was asked if playing Rutgers 3-4 defense last week will help when preparing to face Iowa State's multiple defense this Saturday. Yeah, I don't think it hurts at all. This is a, this is a very unique defense. Defensive package. I mean, very unique in our, our minds. But but the fact is, yeah, they play with three guys up on the on the ball, and the center is going to be covered. So yeah, I don't think that hurts at all. And, and certainly, again, especially if you want to talk about Tyler Linderbaum, every day is a new day for him. So every experience, and I, I kind of alluded to that back in camp. There's some things uh, more so in the blitzes and shotgun snaps under pressure, things like that that uh, centers have to go through for the first time. Every, every position has them, but that's a you know pretty visible position. So every experience you you garner is, is something that's going to you know pay off for if you use it the right way. And um, yeah, so it didn't hurt, certainly. It didn't hurt. Next, we hear from Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell, who was asked about defensing Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley. Well, I think the first thing is you're, you're talking about a veteran quarterback, you know, and I, I think what you see from Nate, even in the, for his first two games, the confidence that he's playing with. You know, I, I think you're, you, you see a, a veteran senior football player playing with great poise and great confidence. And when you're playing that, to me, I, I've said this when we played great quarterbacks in the past, that you're not so much playing against the offensive coordinator, you're playing against against that quarterback because he knows his answers and he's got the ability to adapt and you see him making changes throughout the game to put their team in the best position to be successful. So I, I think we're going to have to do a great job of, of preparing to play against him. You know, again, for us to sit in one thing, I, I think puts our defensive backs at a disadvantage and certainly would put our, our defensive line in a disadvantage. And, you know, I think the next thing you want to talk about with our passing game is their elite skill right now. You know, I think that's jumped off the screen early on from their video is, you know, just the explosiveness from their wide receiver play so far. It's been really impressive. So really great challenge for our secondary. Uh, certainly a great challenge for us defensively with with a quarterback playing like he is and then their skill players. Campbell talks about the challenges facing his Cyclones from A.J. Epinesa and Iowa's defensive line. You know, I, I think that's the challenge with this defensive front is, you know, across the board, you know, all, all, all four players are guys that can really win a one-on-one matchup. And I think that's where their strength has lost you know, for so many years on this defensive line, if you're just going to focus on one guy, somebody else is going to expose you. You know, I, I think when you talk about AJ, you're talking probably a generational talent, you know, in terms of pass rush ability. That's one of the things that's been really fun to watch. And, you know, being a former defensive end and former defensive player, you got a lot of respect for a guy that, you know, has so many tools in his toolbox that he's got the ability to really expose you on every snap. And so, um, you know, a lot of respect for what he does. You know, we're going to have to, again, find ways to really help our 
ourselves out. But, uh, you know, they, they're across the board on this defensive line right now. You're talking a lot of guys that are going to continue to play football and, um, you know, certainly an advantage for those guys. Matt Campbell was asked what he's seen from the Hawkeyes in Iowa's first two games. I, I think to me that's the thing that, that has – why they've been consistently successful in my opinion you know they they know who they are they're not trying to be somebody else and the reality is when you when you know that and you become that then you know your answers to some of the challenges that maybe come within a game and certainly from season to season and so I, I, I would say that's that the answer to that is yes they are who they are and they're not trying to be anybody else and, and again there's a lot of respect for that you know I, I think the thing that's been impressive is their skill players you know at, at the off Offensive positions are, are guys that have really stepped up and developed in their program to, to good football players. Unlike last season, when the Cyclones season opener was washed out, Iowa State has one game under its belt this year, the win over UNI, and Campbell was asked how different and important that is. Well, I, again, I, I think you, you playing a game, you know, and I think you look around college football in the, in the first game of the season across the country, you know, I think it's a hard indicator to know who you really are until you play, you know. And, you know, from our end of it, you know, at least gave us a lot more answers of where are we at some of these position groups? Where are we? Where are we short? And how do you continue to move forward and, and, and continue to adapt and change to be the best version of yourself you can be? And I, I think that's where college football is really unique, you know, is, is that ability to do that and then make those changes and continue to develop your team as the season goes. So I, I do think, you know, playing a game is really critical for any team, especially in the college football world where we don't get a scrimmage or you're not getting those opportunities, I think really important. And Matt Campbell was asked for his perspective on the significance of the Iowa-Iowa State series. I think the biggest thing for me, and this has been a great learning experience, so it's a great question to ask me of not being in this state and then coming into this state and, and starting to understand and have a great understanding of it is really the, the, the pride and tradition of, of both universities. And I think that's what makes this state really special is the fact that there's two power five schools in different conferences that both universities and both schools have great pride and they have great traditions to themselves and the opportunity to play that game once a year from a football standpoint I think is really big and I think unique in terms of what we do really in all of our sports that uh, it, it's a big game and it's a rival game and I think very unique to its, to its setting. <laughs> Stanley stepping up as he gets hit, delivers a strike, touchdown! Amir Smith-Marset, 23 yards, his second of the game. You can see the power in that arm of Nate Stanley. He zipped those last two balls in there. He did, he stood in there too. The extra point by Duncan is good. The precision from New Hampton. Nate Stanley with another touchdown pass. Time now for our weekly reporter's notebook feature this week with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles online at theathletic.com slash team slash Iowa dash Hawkeyes. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott reflects on the shutout win over Rutgers, and he previews the matchups in this Saturday's game, Iowa at Iowa State, plus we talk some Big Ten. And at the end of this interview, listen carefully for what happened in the middle of it. 
Scott, it's good to have you back for the first time in the 2019 season. Before we talk Cy Hawk Week, Iowa at Iowa State, how about your reflections on Iowa's shutout win over Rutgers, quite the defensive performance, and the offense continues to roll. Yeah, it was a, a real complete performance, uh, you know, what we saw from Iowa on Saturday. And, and it was really in, all the, in every phase, which you'd like to see, especially this early in the season. You know, if it wasn't for the remarkable performance of Rutgers punter, I, I, you know, the score would have been way beyond what we saw. But, you know, to have a 300-yard advantage in total yards, which is the first time in five years that it happened, a 200-yard advantage in passing yards, first time in 15 years. Then you throw on everything from, uh, you know, the way the defense, you know, just sucked the life out of Rutgers, held them 125 yards, just, what, five first downs. It was just impressive to, to way they, the way they shut down their playmakers, who had they had some really good players, but they're able to shut them down. And then uh, offensively, uh, they, they were balanced. Uh, everybody was involved. Uh, Nate Stanley had another terrific performance, distributing into eight different receivers a week after doing 10 that way. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. I, I think overall, Iowa's got to be pleased with its performance. Obviously, it can get better in certain areas, but to do it in week two against a conference opponent, no matter you know whatever Rutgers is, but it's still a conference opponent. And I, I think they've got to feel good about the direction of their program. Okay, let's talk Cyhawk Week, the Cyhawk Trophy at stake, Iowa at Iowa State in Ames. The Hawkeyes have won four straight games versus the Clones and three straight playing in Jack Trice Stadium. To add to everything, all of the pregame hoopla that's going to be going on up there, it's college game day. I'm sure we're going to see lots of presidential candidates. Uh, the Hawkeyes come into this game 2-0, and including one win in the Big Ten, and Iowa State is 1-0. It took them three overtimes to get by UNI and their opener, and then had that weird bye week in, in week number two, so I'm not sure exactly what we or Iowa State knows about its team this year, but let's start with the Iowa offense, matching up with the Iowa State defense, a defense that's given the Hawkeyes trouble in the past. It's a 3-4, but they use multiple formations, and they can do that without substituting, but an Iowa offense that as you just mentioned, has uh, really been productive, has a, a bevy of wide receivers who look like this could be the real deal for Iowa's wide receiving core. And of course, Nate Stanley off to a terrific start this season. Yeah, this is going to be, you know, a pivotal matchup. Uh, obviously, they all are, but especially I'm intrigued by how they're both going to, de- how they're going to compete against one another. And first, I, I think maybe one of the most pivotal matchups is uh, Tyler Linderbaum, a, a redshirt freshman and how he competes against uh, Ray Lima, senior nose guard for Iowa State, one of the more unsung players in the country. Uh, this is a matchup that I think will, it may not determine the, the outcome of the game, but it's going to determine the flow of the game and the style of the game and because in part, whether or not Iowa can run and run effectively is going to be determined by this matchup and, uh, you know, how uh, Linderbaum combines with whatever guard that they have to, to have a combo block and then who, whoever can slip past and get to the second level to, to block some of the linebackers, I think that's what's going to make determine whether or not Iowa can have any kind of success running the football. And, and for Iowa to be successful, it needs to have that element of uh, being able to run when it wants to and accomplish that goal. So, And then Ray Lima is, is one of the better players in the Big 12, maybe even in the country at his position group. So uh, this is a real test for the Hawkeyes up front. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, they are a multiple defensive unit. A lot 
lot of times they, they have a three, four look. They sometimes have four down, sometimes three. More often than not, they're, they're more of a three, three, five. But in this game, they may be more tilted towards, a, you know, a seven man, you know, on, on the first and second level. So, you know, and then you look at their linebacking core. It's very good. I mean, Mike Rose is a freshman All-American last year as a true freshman. And uh, Orion Vance, who's from Cedar Rapids, has really played well as the middle linebacker. And, and you've got rush guys like Jaquan uh, Bailey, Marcus Spears, Marcel Spears, I'm sorry, who's their strong side linebacker, or weak side, I'm sorry. Uh, Rose is now the strong side. They've just got so many good athletes that they can throw in there over and over and over again. So this is going to be a real challenge for the Hawkeyes and clearly the, the biggest challenge they faced all year. Now, Kirk, at his Tuesday press conference, said it was helpful that Iowa played Rutgers D, which is a 3-4 essentially. But, you know, back to your point about the Lima Linderbaum matchup. The Iowa offensive line has really performed admirably, especially after Jackson went down and they're, they're playing a lot of people up there and, and most of them seem to do really well most of the time. And Tyler Linderbaum getting his first start this year at center after switching over from the D line has been a beast. He has been terrific. And I would say outside of Tristan Wirfs, he's probably been the most impressive person on the offensive line because he, he fits everything they want. I mean, he is tough as nails. You know, and he's uh, he's got that perfect center build. He's not had any issues with the snap. You know, he's picked up blitzes. He's picked up blocks without any problems. He's been able to get downfield and make blocks on screen passes on other, on other plays. So he's been outstanding. He's played at a very high level, higher level than what they had at all last year from that position. And that's really impressive for somebody his age. As you mentioned, you know, Iowa has undergone a lot of changes up front, a lot of rotations. And, and Worfs, I would I would say, was one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen. You know, the, he was on the field for 11 series on Saturday, six at left tackle, six at right. In the middle of one series, he flips from left to right tackle so he can lead block on a reverse. And then he pancakes. Uh, not only does he block down a Effectively, but then he gets out leads and then pancakes a uh, cornerback in space. It was just a real impressive game for him. I think he's playing like the player that they thought he would be. So, uh, and then the other players have, have played well too, but it, and most of the time. And you know the Paulsons, you know Levi Paulson has, has played, uh, you know primarily right tackle, but also some guard, a little bit of left tackle. You got Landon Paulson who's played guard. Uh, Kyler Shot has come in the game and. And started last week. I expect he'll probably start this week. Or Cole Banward, uh, who's back from injury. Mark Kallenberger, they know they're going to need him. They probably will next year because I can imagine that the other two guys are going to be, uh, you know, Worfs and Jackson will be making money next year. So there's just a lot of pieces there that they need to get some experience. And and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Cody Anton and Justin Britt, a redshirt freshman and a true freshman, who've really come to play and they look good. So uh, a lot of guys getting a lot lot of experience and I think it's helpful for them you know this year of course but but primarily for in the case of Kallenberger, Britt and Ince probably more in 2020 and beyond. Nate Stanley is looking like the veteran that he is in his senior year. He had a great game in Ames in 2017. He threw five touchdowns, no picks, 333 yards through the air and he's done nothing but really excel back there particularly at finding these uh, the crop of wide receivers that they have. Yeah, it's really impressive. Uh, he's been able to play more relaxed. I think last year at this time, he was really 
really pressing. You could see the stress level that he had. It was high. And when Nate Stanley struggles with that type of feeling, then he tends to press. And when he presses, he, he tends to, to kind of screw up his fundamentals and his mechanics. And then that's when he starts overthrowing or he throws off his back foot and he starts aiming the ball and everything kind of goes downward from there. But I think what we've seen this year is more of a relaxed uh, Nate Stanley. He's only been sacked twice, but really only once because the first one was, uh, was uh, you know, intentional grounding. So, and it really wasn't even that. I don't know why they called it. But so it, it's just, uh, you know, the, and then you look at the receiving core. This is the best receiving core Iowa's had since Marvin McNutt was there. And Marvin McNutt has been working with Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset on the side, and, and it's helped them both. They, you know, sometimes when you, you throw the old guy in there, the younger guys don't always listen. But in this case, they said, hey, his picture's up on the wall. And, you know, you look at his stats. This is the same uh, uh, offense. And, and so they, they both of them said they'd be dumb not to listen to him. And you can really see that it's come through for both Smith and, and Smith Barset, and in turn, the whole entire passing game. And then, uh, you know, but making it tick, not only are the frontline players, but the, the guys who are rotating in, you know, Ty Tyrone Tracy, Nico Regani, and Oliver Martin. And so this is a deep unit. It's a talented unit. And you can tell that it's an ascending unit. And that's got to be pretty exciting uh, for Iowa this year, considering uh, where it came from, you know, not that long ago. Yeah, especially with the loss of the two tight ends playing on Sundays now, the wide receivers have really stepped up so far. Stanley's thrown 58 passes, completed 64%, averaging 244 a game, as you mentioned. Six TDs now, no picks. What kind of problems will Iowa State's defense, which, as we've said, is different, going to present that he hasn't really faced before? Oh, boy, that's that's because they are so multiple and they do so many different types of things. And whether they stunt, whether they have a, uh, a guy who's, uh, you know, whether a three, you know, four or it's going to be a four, three, you're going to have guys on the line of scrimmage. They're so multiple. And then you couple it with they've got so many talented players, athletes and and, you know, guys who've been around that I think that's where some of the challenge lies with Iowa State. They tackle well. They tackle in space. They, you know, Matt Campbell has done a really nice job with that program of turning it around where, you know, they did have some good players from time to time. But now you can see kind of how that how, how that uh, unit and everything is just really coming together. As far as the passing game, you know, the, the receivers go. Now, one thing I'm anxious to see is how exactly that works for, uh, you know, without two of their corners that were really good players last year. DeAndre Payne, you know, was with the, the uh, Titans up until the last cut. And uh, Brian Peavy, who was an all-Big 12 defensive back. So I, I think, you know, I'm anxious to see how those corners react because, you know, before last week or two weeks ago against UNI, UNI's got some decent players, don't get me wrong, but it's just a different animal altogether. They're, they're just not as um, big, strong, physical is what Iowa presents. So PV and Payne were very, very good. Iowa was able two years ago to, to exploit, and last year was a little more difficult. And part of that was because Stanley was so erratic. But from here on out, I, I think Iowa might have an advantage there, um, uh, you know, going against those cornerbacks. Talking about Iowa's running game, last year it was anemic and inconsistent. And this year it looks solid, at least through the first two games. Uh, they're averaging 203.5 yards per game. And Makai Sargent is is just doing about everything 
everything you could ever ask for him or a player like him out on the field so far. Yeah, I mean, this has been a, a there there have been so many improvements in this that it's really easy to spot. And that is, you know, number one, uh, you, you could just see the flow of the running backs so much better. They can see the game better. You, you see everything from the way they uh, attack the line of scrimmage or whether it's at a 45 degree angle on the outside slant or in, in the inside zone, you just see the, the measure in which they, they're able to attack. And a lot of that is last year there was some hesitancy and there's a fine line between being hesitant and being patient. And they didn't really understand that line very much, especially uh, Sargent because uh, Sargent was new. This year, you could see that he's got a lot of confidence. He believes in what he's doing and it's, it's effective for him. So, but then a lot of that also goes back to uh, to um, to Linderbaum, and Linderbaum is able to get to that second level and make those blocks on those linebackers that weren't quite made last year in a lot of cases. So now this this unit will challenge them because you know Mike Rose is a is a very good second year player, you know, as a linebacker, and same thing with Orion Vance, and so they're going to have to move to be able to move them. And uh, Ray Lima is. is a major part of that because he plays kind of like his style is kind of like Iowa's defensive tackles in which it's a two gap and he tries to tie up blockers so it's going to be that battle of wills in, in this running back uh, battle now Iowa also counters with you know some depth at running back and it looks pretty good right now and Torin Young is a different style from Sargent Sargent is your jack of all trades he can do it all you know he can run catch he can block he obviously does all three at a pretty good level you know Torn Young is bigger, more physical. He's a kind of a bull. So if, if you need a change of pace, if you just need to kind of throw some thunder out there for a few downs, uh, he's your guy. And then finally, you know, the, the most athletic guy that we've seen in a while is true freshman Tyler Goodson. And the way he's been able to kind of take charge has been impressive uh, when he gets in there. I mean, he's he's good in so many different areas. So I think this is a, uh, you know, this is an ascending team, but this is clearly their biggest challenge they face to date. And we'll know a lot more about Iowa's running game after Saturday. Makai Sargent is not only Iowa's leading rusher, he's the second leading receiver. But when you look at their average yards per carry, Sargent's 5'6", Torin Young 5'9", and to your point, Tyler Goodson 4.7. Those are all really solid numbers. And then back to the wide receivers a moment. Uh, Everybody knows now that Oliver Martin was cleared to play just before the opening game of the season. And, of course, he had that big touchdown in the first game. Game. And last week, we didn't see him on the field as much. This week, it'll be the first time he's ever played Iowa State. Are we likely to see more of him on Saturday? I would think so. And I think right now, they're, they're, they've reached the point in the season where, you know, some of the people who have earned the positions in the offseason and some of them coming up, you got to reach that level of, okay, who's the best player and is the best player going to play the most? And I think Oliver Martin's in that category, which is, okay, you know, we all kind of understood and accepted that okay Oliver hasn't played all that you know he just joined the program in in June just got cleared he's still got to catch up but when you have a receiver like that 
and we all know his his level of talent is special. You need to get him out on the field a little more often. Now he did play quite a bit, and he played early, but I think he needs to play more. But, you know that said, I think Nico Regani has been a really good player for them, and Tyrone Tracy is as well. So what we've seen this year, which is a completely change from last year, is last year we saw about 64 percent of the offense was in two tight end formation, which it had to be when you had two first round draft picks. In fact, I would argue it should have been 80 percent. But this year it's it's kind of the flip of that, and it's actually 60 some odd percent is three wide receiver sets, and it's helping the running game when they do that because you know I never understood why I would doesn't do this more often but it spreads the field out so they have more running lanes so it's been really um impressive uh, you know when they do add three wide receivers in there because they spread the field out they've got more speed on the perimeter and uh you know these guys can play so and, and they've proven that they can block as well so i think this is kind of where, the, where they are i do expect to see oliver martin out there quite a bit more back to the running backs just a second the other thing that is really fascinating is you're seeing a lot of plays run with both Sargent and Young in the backfield at the same time and most of the time when that is uh, set up it's like they're running sort of a version of the old T formation (laughs) it is you know you're just missing that big fullback in the middle I I wish they would pull that out for one but no they uh it, it's it's really effective because they are two of their better players. And one thing I do like about the way Brian Ferentz has kind of elevated this uh, offense is that he's getting his better players on the field more often. And and that's one that's another one where you know getting you know Sargent and uh, and Young out there together, the defenses can't you know look to one or the other to be, okay, this guy's going to be the pass back, the other one's going to be the block back. Well, you, you don't know that. And uh, they're able to lead one another on some running uh, running plays. So I think there's there's a lot of advantages to uh, what's going on there with when both of them are in the game. And, and I'm just interested to see what are the, the latest wrinkles going to be. Yeah, this might be a tough question, and I'm interested in your answer. So what's your sense of who has the edge in this matchup, Iowa's offense versus Iowa State's defense? Defense. I like, I think it's going to be a very competitive match. I, you know, it might just be a matter of a couple plays here and there. Field the position aside, which I think does matter in this matchup, I really probably like Iowa's offense just a little bit more. And, and Iowa State is probably the best in the Big 12 when it comes to uh, defense and, and certainly the most physical. But, the, you know, Iowa's able to, to really be multifaceted here. Uh, you know, they haven't had to really rely on tight ends, you know, and that's coming. But I like the way that their receivers are able to stretch the field. Iowa State's built to kind of stop that, but Iowa's guys are more veterans, so I think they're going to make plays. And then the way the running game's performing, I, th- I, I think it's Iowa, but it's not by a lot. This is a, pretty, this, is a, this is a pretty tough matchup. Okay, let's look at Iowa's defense now against Iowa State's offense. As you mentioned early on here, they were terrific versus Rutgers. And we're seeing a lot more 4-3, less cash, and 4-2 five and Kirk has indicated that's both a combination of what the opposing teams in the first two games have been running as well as uh, being a little thin now with some injuries in the defensive secondary Uh, what do you expect we'll see here against a very productive Iowa State offense and a really good uh, sophomore quarterback in Brock Purdy Uh, this is going to be a real challenge 
challenge, but I think Iowa might be prepared for it, not the personnel part of it, but the schematic part of it. And that is Brock Purdy is a better version of what we saw in game one with Brett Gabbert from uh, from Miami of Ohio. I mean, he's very uh, accurate. You know, he's been able to, to complete last year almost 67% of his passes. And, and he came in in the Big 12 part of the league, you know, game. He didn't come in and, and mop the floor up with a couple of non-conference teams. So, you know, so he's very effective in that style of play. The, the one, the challenge that Iowa State has right now is how does it replace David Montgomery? And, it, you know, it did it by committee in the first game. I anticipate that's going to be kind of next on its agenda is who, who gets that role. Brees Hall, a freshman running back, I know Iowa liked him a lot and thought he was going to be a really good player. He seems to me to be the next great running back, and they've got a couple of guys that can do different things. But I'm not sure that they have a guy who can make people miss the way Montgomery did and certainly not break tackles the way he did. And uh, so I think they're going to try to use them all, but use them all effectively. Now, you know, the other part of it is you can't mistake what Hakeem Butler brought. And, you know, at 6'6", you know, 225, 30 pounds, he was a weapon that you, it was really hard to, to compete against because he was so tall. He had bad hands, but he was so tall and quick and explosive that he was really a, a tough defend, you know, for Iowa. But Iowa did a great job last year. Two years ago, they did a poor job. So, you know, Iowa State brings a lot. Uh, Deshante Jones is a, is a very elusive, a lot of lateral p- type passes. Uh, I mean, more not behind the line of scrimmage, but just kind of spreading the field with him. He had 14 catches against UNI. So that's they've got a lot of weapons, but they don't have, uh, it hasn't been developed into that weapon that you're scared of yet. Now, I think uh, transfer LaMichael Petaway, who came in from Arkansas, could develop into that. He's a big physical receiver, grad transfer, but we just haven't seen enough of him yet but you know Brock Purdy does present all kinds of problems because there aren't very many quarterbacks better than he is when it comes to running RPO. Purdy is completing 73 percent so far this year of course it's just the one game and two touchdowns 278 yards. Back to Iowa's defense here Christian Welch has been very solid in the middle through the first two games he's got uh, eight tackles a game but I thought the you know after the first game against Miami where Epinesa was double teamed much of the time really struggled, not a factor in that game. He really was uh, a factor last Saturday against Rutgers. He was more of a statistical factor, no doubt about it, and, uh, you know, because Iowa finally, you know, whether it was a part of the this overall scheme or it was something that they wanted to do differently, uh, involved him in a lot more twists and stunts up front. That included him, you know, taking a loop from his uh, traditional role on the outside and coming in through the inside. So that that's what caused the first the interception with that Jaimon Colbert uh, was able to get was he came on a stunt and he blew right past the guard that thought he was going to try to pick him up and then he ran right in the quarterback and the ball went right up the air. You know, in the first game, he made an impact simply because he was the A.J. Epineza on the field. There was a lot of double team blocks. There, were, there was a couple of cases where there was a triple team block. Uh, they were determined not to let him beat them. Now that's from a team aspect. Uh, hey, you know, more power to you. You want to take up two guys on one, go for it. But, you know, I know that's frustrating for a player who's had so much statistical success, you want to do more. Right? And, and I think that's what he was able to do. Now, last year, he had a major impact in that game, especially late with his pass rushing. And, and uh, you know, now Iowa State made kind of a strategic error last year in some respects, and it wasn't their fault as much as it was just kind of an act of God. And that was that, they, you know, the first game was suspended uh, or, or, and then canceled against South Dakota State 
after about one series. And they, he was a real nervous about throwing, you know, then freshman, now sophomore Colin Newell out there at, at center and have his first start be at Kinnick Stadium. He thought that might have been a disadvantage for his young center. So what they did was they moved Julian Good Jones, their normal left tackle, into center, and that exposed their flank. So this, this year they won't have that issue, you know, but although Colin Newell is very much questionable for this game after getting hurt against you and I. So, you know, Good Jones is probably their best blocking lineman right now. He'll be going up against Epineza quite a bit. You know, Good Jones is Cedar Rapids. So I think this is going to be a, uh, uh, you know, fascinating uh, competition. Epineza is the better player, but defensive ends sometimes don't affect the game as much as you think they do. They just affect him on a couple of plays a game. So, but neutralizing him is going to be the key for the Iowa State Cyclones because if they can't, he has the, the potential to really run roughshod over a, uh, a game. And, and he certainly did last week against Rutgers. You know, Iowa State's offensive linemen, all five are returning starters and all happen to be from Iowa, as a matter of fact. Uh, the other person who I think has done a great job, even, be, uh, you know, visually the eye test, as well as his stats, the second leading tackler through the first two games is Colbert. Colbert, I think, has done better than what sometimes the grades come out. Uh, you know, Pro Football Focus mentions he's missed some tackles, but I, I haven't seen him. I thought he's made a great impact. He's, uh, you know, he has an interception now. He's made, you know, some big tackles. He played a terrific game last year against the Cyclones when, uh, you know, he had to step in when Welch went, was down with an injury and made his first start as a freshman, and I thought he's looked really good. So I think he's going to be, he's a guy that I think people kind of compared to Anthony Hitchens. And, but I, at this point in his career, he's better than Anthony Hitchens. So I think this is a, this is really, yeah, the way he has come on, he's going to own this position for several years. And, uh, you know, he's a little bit underrated, but he's making an impact. And, you know, last week that interception, you know, part of that was caused by, you know, his guy didn't really go off for a pass. So he kind of felt where the, the ball was coming and he picked it off, you know, because of Epineza. So, you know, the way he's improving, I think he's got a real future uh, to, to be one of the better linebackers Iowa's had. Iowa was one of the best teams in the nation last season in terms of defensive interceptions. And they're off to a good start this year. The one that Colbert uh, got last week and Ojemudia has one in each of the first two games. Yeah, they uh, they uh, have become interception you the last two years. Uh, 21 two years ago, 20 last year. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of that's caused by pressure up front. Uh, you force quarterbacks into making bad throws and, and uh, they've been there to, to pick up the, the pieces. And Ojemudia, here he is. You know, is he the next one? Is he the next one that's going to be the, uh, you know, four out of the last seven in, in the Big Ten uh, defensive backs of the year have been come from Iowa. So I think in his case, you know, he's making a case right now. So maybe not quite as talented as his predecessors, but, you know, statistics are, don't lie either. So I, I'm just waiting for Matt Hankins to do that. And uh, I think he's capable. And, you know, this would be a perfect time for him to take that step forward and become the player that uh, I think he can be. Who has the edge in this matchup, the Hawks D versus the Clones O? I am going Iowa's def- defense, and I think this is a little bit stronger in this. Now, Brock Purdy is a terrific quarterback, no doubt about it. But his weapons are a little less experienced than what they have been in the past. Uh, again, I think they're going to become better, no doubt about it. I think, you know, within t- within a couple of weeks, they're going to be a better offense. But right now, you know, they, they really looked, you know, uncharacteristic, you know, just not very confident, inconsistent in the opener against Northern Iowa. And, and Northern Iowa is a good team, don't get me wrong, but Iowa has some playmakers that I, Iowa, you and I, hasn't had since Bryce Pop. I mean, A.J. Epineza, I, th- 
think they are deep along the defensive line. They're talented in certain spots. Now, what Iowa State could do to, to neutralize some of that is to try to get Iowa to go side to side, try to you know incorporate Deshante Jones, which they will. But you know, as you mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago, you look at what Iowa with you know in a four-three rather than the cash personnel. Uh, that that's kind of their safety net on the field. You've got a uh, you know you, you've got you know Ben ne- I mean Nick Neiman out there who uh, can is able to uh, kind of be a, a strength because he knows what he's doing. And they're, part of their defense right now is to get their best eleven out there, and they've got some injuries in the secondary. So I think that will negate some you know any kind of movement Iowa State has because but I do think that you know Iowa is especially if they can if Michael Sleep Dalton can continue to pin down the opponents like Iowa you know has a chance to force Iowa State into some mistakes. Okay well let's talk special teams for just a moment or two. Uh, Keith Duncan is Iowa's place kicker both in terms of field goals and PATs is perfect for four on field goals eight of eight on PATs. He's doing everything that's been asked of him. Uh, Caleb Shudak who is the kickoff specialist had a little bit of an issue in the first game against Miami in terms of touchbacks but is was really good last Saturday's kicked off 13 times and 10 have now been touchbacks and you just mentioned Michael Sleep Dalton after he only had one punt in the first game but boy last week everybody's been talking about the Rutgers putter but Sleep Dalton was terrific yeah he actually had a higher average I mean they had some great um, that was a great punting duel if you like that kind of football Um, and I think it was worth it you know he had a 57 yarder it just you know it was a really good performance as a whole now I I do uh, you know keep Duncan has has come and performed exactly the way they needed him to. There has been no shakiness. He's been accurate. He's going to face a difficult atmosphere, but you know what I keep coming back to, and it's not hard. Is uh, when you look back a couple of years ago when he had to, when he had one of the bigger kicks in Iowa history, you know, and in a major upset against Michigan, he knocked it down. It was close, but he still knocked it down. So I think you see a lot of confidence growing with him. Shudak, you know, is the kickoff specialist. I think that's uh, you know part Kirk, part Lavar, you know, being a a, uh, uh, you know, King Solomon decision because he couldn't come up with a good one. Uh, one's the kickoff specialist, the other is the kicker. Uh, but Sleep Dalton's been, you know, outstanding last week. And then, you know, we haven't really seen much out of uh, Amir Smith Barset, who is a very dangerous kick returner. He's only had one return this year. Last week, he, you know, he had a touchback, so he didn't get a chance to when you have a shutout. But I expect him to, he'll probably have a few more kickoffs to return this week. And uh, at some point, he's going to get loose and score. I just, I think he's too good not to. Okay, let's turn to the Big Ten for a moment. Week two results, some kind of strange things and some interesting things to think about going forward here in terms of the Big Ten West. You had Minnesota going out west two overtimes to defeat Fresno State 38-35. Nebraska goes out west in Boulder and lose in overtime 34-31 after leading much of that game. And then you had Michigan struggling with Army. It took two overtimes for 24-21. And Maryland putting a big-time hurt on Syracuse 63-20, which uh, probably impacted the fact that Ames was chosen as the location for game day this week. Now, Saturday, you've got Ohio State State at Indiana, 
mildly interesting. Pitt at Penn State, uh, UNLV at Northwestern, Arizona State at Michigan State. Those are all pretty interesting games, as is maybe TCU at Purdue. Yeah, this week every, the competition kind of steps up a little bit more, which is a good thing. Uh, you know, Pitt-Penn State, that's the 100th edition of that you know rivalry. It used to be a major rivalry. It was one of the maybe 10 great rivalries, you know, uh, until Penn State joined the Big Ten. So I'm glad to see that series kind of taking some shape. Uh, Ohio State-Indiana, they that's been an entertaining game over the years. And uh, now, you know, Indiana hasn't upset Ohio State or anything, but it's been a high-scoring affair uh, pretty much every year. And, you know, Arizona State-Michigan State will tell us a lot, you know, if uh, Eno Benjamin could get loose on that defense. I think, you know, you really got to consider him for All-American honors. And, you know, some other games, uh, you know, TCU at Purdue, uh, that's another one where you just – I'm really intrigued by styles. Uh, you know, TCU is – you know, Gary Patterson's known as kind of a guru of defense, and, and Jeff Brom is a terrific passing guru. So – and then, you know, another one I wouldn't sleep on is Northern Illinois at Nebraska. The last time the Huskies went there, they upset the, the Huskers. And, of course, as you mentioned, you know, Nebraska had a 17 and nothing lead in the second quarter and let it slip and lose into uh, their their former uh, rival, I guess, uh, wannabe rival, uh, Colorado. So, you know, there's a lot of an intrigue this week. And, of course, I think the most intriguing game is the one we're going to watch. Okay, back to Iowa. Iowa State, Cyhawk Trophy on the line again. One of the interesting things going into this game is, is there an advantage? I'm guessing there is because Iowa's played two games and Iowa State had a bye week last week. I don't know how much that impacts this game, but I'm thinking it's a little a little bit. It can cut both ways, but I bet uh, Matt Campbell would have liked to have had two games under his belt before facing Iowa? I think so. I think last year last year was a clear disadvantage and one thing I do credit Matt Campbell for was he never once met a, let it become an excuse. It, it, it was a reason why they didn't play well because they just didn't have a chance to kind of uh, go out and figure some things out you know, in their first game, which you like to do. So then when you play a, a good opponent like they did, you, you understand kind of where some limitations are and some, and some areas for improvement. This, this year is not quite as extreme. I'm sure they would have liked to have played another team before Iowa, but they at least had one, and they, they had a scare against Northern or Northern Iowa, uh, who played very well against them, and so they have, they knew there were some areas to work on, so they have their players' attention, and last, you know, you could work on those fundamentals, and maybe that's a strength, that you could work on those fundamentals without really focusing on the opponent, at least for several days. For Iowa, I think what it did was we saw huge strides in certain areas from game one to game too. So, uh, but you also have the risk of injury. And now, granted, Kayvon Merriweather was hurt in their Friday practice and you know, sprained his foot. So that that that's just one of those crazy injuries that happen. So uh, Gino Stone is fine. There doesn't seem to be a problem with Matt Hankins. He'll be able to play. So there's. Uh, I don't know that I see an advantage. We'll know more after the game. I, I just don't think that it's that big of a deal. But it's a little bit different still being this early in the season. Your prediction? This has been a tough one because all offseason I actually thought one direction and I decided that after a few days ago that the bank had switched and I'm going to go Iowa 17-13 uh, as you mentioned Iowa has won three out of the last three in, in Ames four in a row overall plus you know four out of five in Ames and the only loss was in triple overtime in 2011 so Iowa has been able to go to that environment as difficult as it is and perform pretty well for the most part now when you start talking about distractions it's not really a distraction for Iowa, the game day's there. Iowa's still going to stick 
to its routine. In Iowa City, the discussion isn't that big of a deal. The players don't seem to let it affect them because it's not on their campus. For Iowa State, it's going to be all around them. And, and I'm interested in knowing and seeing, you know, is this going to cause them to be a little bit flat because their emotions will be so high through the course of the, of the week? Now, I, I could be totally wrong on that, but I, I think Iowa's defense has poses some real challenges to Iowa State. Can Iowa State overcome it? Brock Purdy's an excellent quarterback. He's still only a sophomore, and I'm not sure that he's faced a defense quite like this one. So I like the Hawkeyes, but you know, on a confidence pick thing, this one would be down on the list. I wouldn't just say absolutely 100%. Cat just threw up. <laughs> but you might have to edit that out. <laughs> but <laughs> might be fun to leave it in, but <laughs> <laughs> you can leave it in if you want. But, oh. Yeah, I just looked over. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. The worst sound in the world. So uh, back to my point. (laughs) With this, Rutgers will fall to 1-1, 0-1 in conference play. Iowa will move to 2-0, 1-0 in Big Ten play. You think that Cyhawk game is going to be a physical battle next week? Oh, yeah. (laughs) The last time Iowa opened the Big Ten play with a shutout was 1981. You can add 2019 to that one. The final score here from Iowa City. They will take this one 30 to nothing over Rutgers to open the season 2 0. Our thanks again to FS1 for the Iowa Rutgers game highlights, and thanks as always to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 13 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com, one passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.